Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are visiting with Baylor University Provost, Dr. Nancy Brickhouse. Past years brought much to celebrate as Baylor grows as an R1 institution. The university has welcomed 110 new faculty with more on the way through Illuminate Forward. We've seen exciting news as it relates to core curriculum rankings, national trust, and more. This week also marks National Compliance and Ethics Week and an opportunity to highlight research integrity as a growing research institution. We'll discuss all of this and more with Dr. Nancy Brickhouse, Baylor University's provost. And I know it's a really busy time, Dr. Brickhouse. Thanks for joining <laughs> us on the program. Thank you for having me. Well, we're in that stretch where we are, we're really full speed ahead to the holidays and the uh, the end of the semester. So if we were to eavesdrop in your office these days, what are some of the things that, that take precedence, <laughs> that become priorities as we get into November and December? Well, I mean, clearly we want to have a kind of a smooth landing for the fall semester. Uh, it's where actually a lot of the hiring that we do begins to kind of ramp up in late fall. Uh, the busiest time is first thing in the spring, but we want to kind of hit the ground or running when, when students and faculty are, arrive back on campus in the fall. Uh, but, you know, I also just encourage people, myself and people around me to uh, take a little bit of time as we move into the holiday season, because it is such a family time for, for many of us. I have both kids as well as parents. I've got lots of cousins, and this is just the time of the year where I began to think about, you know, the holiday gatherings with them, both over the Thanksgiving table as well as over Christmas. We'll probably head back to Virginia also sometime uh, after Christmas to uh, be with my husband's family for a few for a few days before we hit the ground running again in the in the spring. So there's always a lot going on, and the end of the semester is always the busiest. Um, but, you know, it's been a great fall and we're getting <laughs> a lot of what we're doing right now is not only wrapping up the fall, but we're preparing for the spring. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, finding some time. You've got the holidays coming up and I know we see you at Baylor events, whether it be uh, sporting events like the football game, the homecoming parade. Are there any ways uh, on campus that are some of your favorites to just maybe get away from work just a little bit and, and enjoy being a part of the, what's going on at Baylor? You know, I love campus life and, um, and yeah, I enjoy, I love, I, I have a little bit of a competitive streak and so the athletic events kind of play into that, but, you know, I enjoy our, our, our artistic events as well, both our music as well as our theater. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have really excellent art, art programs in the arts and you'll see me at a lot of those. Uh, not because I'm required to be there, but because I want to be there. It's just um, it's just such a gift uh, to be at a university uh, surrounded by people who have that kind of talent. You know, and I also enjoy, uh, you know, opportunities to go to various conferences on campus and learn about the work that our faculty are doing. Um, that's the fun part of being a provost. Um, is really getting to celebrate the, the great work that the people here at Banner are doing. Well, we've certainly had much to celebrate in, uh, in, in recent years and certainly recent months as we visit with Baylor. 
Dr. Brickhouse, a, a growing family certainly as well. This fall, Baylor welcomes welcoming 110 new faculty to the to the institution. Now, this is a really broad question. So, take it broadly speaking, who are they? Who who's coming to Baylor here this year? <laughs> I mean, it is a great, it's a very exciting class. It's a very class of faculty. I don't know why I'm talking about them as if they were a class of students. Maybe I should call them a cohort. Um, the class of 2022 or the cohort of 2022. Yeah, yeah. And so they're a variety, it's a pretty diverse group of people. I mean, some of them are uh, new online instructors who are helping us in terms of staffing our professional and graduate education programs. Uh, others are, you know, are committed to uh, focusing on undergraduate education and making sure that the core curriculum, which we're going to be talking about later, is being implemented in the way that it was intended. Um, you know, we're welcoming new endowed chairs. These are faculty that are very focused on their on their research and are operating at the very highest levels of their of their disciplines. So I would say they come from. It's a pretty diverse lot of, uh, group of people, and um, there is also the most racially diverse that we've ever had. Forty forty percent coming from non Caucasian groups, and so. It, and it actually matches pretty closely with the racial uh, makeup of our student body, which is something our students have asked for. So it's great they were able to have that kind of diversity and that kind of strength in terms of the talent that this cohort of faculty are bringing to, to, uh, to Baylor. I guess the one thing I should say, though, that they all have in common is their commitment to our mission. Whether they're researchers or lecturers or clinical faculty, whether they're coming from the West Coast or they're from middle America, uh, the thing that we all hold in common is our, uh, is our commitment to Baylor's Christian mission. And so it's always good to come back to that, uh, that core of who we are. And this group of faculty will definitely contribute to uh, helping us continue to strengthen the kind of Christian witness that is distinctive about Baylor University. Well, Dr. Brickhouse, you really answered uh, the, the next question here. You know, what is it that's uh, that, that's bringing them here? The sense you get of what's attracting them. You know, we have our historic commitment that attracts people. The, the, mm -hmm. We continue to elevate. We've got so much of the growth that's taken place, the investment. What sense do you get about kind of that balance? There's the, the Christian commitment, and then also there's people are seeing what Baylor has done in, in recent years. The other thing is that Baylor is viewed as a place on the rise. I mean, people want people want to be a part of something that is that is growing in terms of its impact, in terms of the ability for them to be a part of something that's bigger for themselves. So it's that sense of, of Baylor being on the move, um, I think, is what is the other piece that's really attracting people to come here. I think the R1 designation that we has received um, the, at the very first of this uh, calendar year is also a big enticement for a lot of faculty who, um, who really want to operate at the very highest levels of their discipline and also want to be at a Christian university because both of those things are very important to them. Um, you know, there are a lot of universities that have not done well post-COVID. If you look at enrollment nationally 
enrollments are down. Um, and if you look at a lot of our uh, of our sister institutions, other Christian universities, their enrollments are down and, and now their applications are down. And so Baylor's actually kind of swimming against the tide here. We're doing well during a time when a lot of universities are, are, are kind of struggling to, to keep up. You know, Dr. Brickhouse, as you talk about that, that growth in the face of this and just in general, you know, Baylor's hired 110 new faculty this year. Illuminate Forward, uh, part of that is 100 new faculty, net new faculty over a, over a five-year period. You know, I, I'm curious for those of us who aren't as uh, involved in the numbers and what that means in, in the higher ed context, how can we picture kind of the significance of, of that growth and what its impact could, could be at Baylor? Because 100 is a great number, but if we don't have the context, we don't know exactly what that means. So I think the way that you're going to see a difference in terms of impact is, uh, first of all, you're going to see continued impact in terms of our research trajectory. Uh, our productivity around research will continue to grow, particularly as we bring in new faculty in areas like materials, uh, where we've not had a large presence before. We're going to suddenly have uh, a very significant presence in a field that is, uh, that is quite new and quite large. And so you'll see it there. You'll also see it in terms, the other area that we'll see a lot of impact will be in the growth of our graduate programs. Uh, if you look at uh, Baylor, we're currently about 25% graduate students, 75% undergraduate students. Now we've doubled our graduate population in the last five years. But I think you're going to see with this new faculty, we're going to continue to grow that graduate population um, because um, the uh, R1 universities typically have a profile that is much more heavily graduate than what Baylor is right now. So as we bring in these new faculty, we're going to also be looking at and you know strengthening our graduate programs uh, as they also have a great impact, if you will, on our research programs. This is Baylor Connections. We're visiting with Baylor University Provost Dr. Nancy Brickhouse. And Dr. Brickhouse, uh, switching gears a little bit, mentioned at the top of the show that this week is National Compliance and Ethics Week. And, you know, that's something that Baylor is, is focused on in a number of ways. And I'm curious, as we talk about compliance and ethics in the context of a Christian research institution, what, what, what do those terms mean to you? And so when you talk about compliance, I think a lot about about federal regulations about the way that we manage externally funded research. Uh, that's what we're really working on right now. So here's how, how I think about it. Uh, we get money from uh, a variety of different sources, uh, but when you get money from the federal government, which is where we're growing a lot right now in terms of our research grants, you're, you're, you're basically getting taxpayer money in order to do research, okay? This, these are taxpayers' dollars. And the federal government wants to make sure that you're using the money in the way that you said you would use the money in the grant proposal. And so they have regulations in place to make sure of that. They also wanna make sure that the taxpayers are getting a good deal for their dollar, okay? That you're not buying things that you don't need or that you're not buying things at exorbitant prices, that you're trying to buy things at good cost, uh, you're charging things to the grants that are appropriate to charge to the grants. And most importantly, that you're 
charging faculty time appropriately to grants. So they want to see how you're charging uh, salary to grants so that they can make sure that the taxpayers are getting the biggest bang for their buck. The intent of that, again, I think is important. Uh, we're all taxpayers. We want to make sure that our money is well used. You know, that I know that could get, sounds like it gets complicated uh, fast, and we've got a great uh, research compliance staff within the Office of the Vice Provost for Research. You know, mm -hmm. URA is a lot of people that help uh, help faculty with that. You know, as Baylor grows as a research institution, you know, we're really hitting just about every research metric at a much higher level than we were a few years ago, really a pretty steep curve at times. So what does it take with what you just with what you just described and combining with Baylor's growth? You know, what, what does it take to support all that? What, what does it take to facilitate that? So there are a couple of things that come to mind. It's a combination of things. I would say you need people, you need policy, and you need technology. You need people who understand what the compliance regulations require. So that's an education, an educational effort that our office for the vice provost for research is leading out on in terms of simply helping people understand what the guidelines are, what's allowed and what's not. We also need policies in place uh, where we need to make sure that we have uh, well-defined rules around how things get charged to grants and that we're consistent in the way that those policies are applied. And then we need technology that will help us manage all of this. We are working on a new electronic research uh, administration software implementation that we'll, we will roll out later in the spring that will help us manage grants and manage a lot of these compliance efforts. But you need really all three of those in order to be successful. Um, now, my hope is that over time, as we get used to these um, to these policies and regulations and new systems, that it it simply becomes second nature. It's just harder when you're in that change period, and right now we're in that change period where people are being told, "Well, you can't do things the way that you've always done them," and um, you know, and this is why. And here's some other ways in which we're going to help you do your work in a way that is compliant with what the federal regulations require. We're visiting with Dr. Nancy Brickhouse, Baylor University Provost. And you know, Dr. Brickhouse, we've had plenty of accolades as we've already mentioned to discuss here at Baylor. I wanna ask you uh, about a couple of them as we head into the final few minutes of, of the program. Uh, one of them, a pretty nice surprise right at the start of the semester, Baylor was named the top 10 most trusted university in the nation. You know, a long time alongside institutions like Harvard, Princeton, Notre Dame, Johns Hopkins. Uh, for you personally, what, what does that honor mean as you think about the university and, uh, and what we're doing research-wise and academically? Well, I mean, obviously, I think everybody wants to be trusted. Um, I mean, and, and, and so it's a great honor to be named with uh, institutions that are incredibly prestigious in terms of the fact that people trust Baylor in the same sense that they trust a Hopkins or a Princeton, et cetera. Uh, when I think about the kind of the components, what does it mean to trust an institution? Um, I think of two things. One is uh, competence and the other is uh, honesty. 
And so when you, you, you gain somebody's trust when you do what you say you're going to do. Um, and so you're honest about what your intentions are. And then you know what you're doing and you're capable of doing what you say you're going to do. And so it's really kind of a two-pronged matter. It's about having the excellence and expertise to be able to accomplish, uh, accomplish ambitious goals uh, in a way that you said you're going to do. Uh, and it's also about not over-promising um, and, uh, or, you know, again, kind of making clear what your intentions are so that you're basically doing what you said you were going to do. Let me let me give you an example. Uh, we claim our that Baylor offers a transformational undergraduate education. We're very bold about that. That's what we say. Well, you know, for people to trust us, we have to deliver on that. And I think the fact that we're being told that we're trusted, I think it, I think that's a good sign that yes, indeed, that's what our students are experiencing. Uh, we're making good on that. When we say that our education is 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 grounded in Christian Christian principles, those are not just words. Okay, those are those are actions that has to do with the way that we structure our curriculum. It has to do what do with the way that we hire our faculty. It motivates the research we do, uh, and so we have to live out those things that we say that we are. And when it comes to research, it means that we conduct research with utmost integrity. And that is, if it's empirical research, we do research with an open mind. We do research at, we do research well using all of the tools of the discipline. And uh, we communicate our findings faithfully. That's what leads to trust. And so it's a great, it's great company to be in. And I hope that we will continue to work to earn that reputation. Certainly exciting to, to see as we visit with Dr. Brickhouse. And Dr. Brickhouse, heading into the final couple of minutes, I want to ask you about core curriculum. We saw earlier this semester the American Council of Trustees and Alumni gave Baylor an A rating for core curriculum. And there were only 22 institutions in the nation uh, who achieved that honor. So pretty uh, pretty lofty company for sure. But to better understand that uh, core curriculum, how is that defined? How can we picture exactly what that is? So I think of the core curriculum as kind of the mark of an undergraduate Baylor degree. It is what distinguishes a Baylor student from another student. Since we're playing them on Saturday, maybe I'll just say we're not the same as a Kansas State student. Okay, we provide a different kind of education. And in many ways, the core curriculum defines that because all students experience it. It doesn't matter what your degree is in, it doesn't matter what kind of degree that you get. If it's an undergraduate degree, uh, you're going to be required to take the core. And um, so it's an honor as well, because at Baylor, we've been very intentional about our core curriculum and we take it very seriously. It was just revised a few years ago. So we're in the implementation of a new core curriculum. And so this new core curriculum was the one that got this A rating that you're, re that you're referring to. It's a very recently revised curriculum 
and it includes uh, courses and areas that this particular organization really cares about. So it includes things like all students who are required to take a course in composition, in literature, in either history or civics, and a natural science or in, in, in math. Uh, and if you're getting a liberal arts degree, you're required to take a foreign language. And so this is true for all students. And of course, you know that um, we have courses in um, two, two religion courses, course in the uh, US Constitution. Uh, I think these are also courses that really kind of define who a Baylor student is. Uh, those are courses that are in addition to what this organization requires, but I think they're actually pretty distinctive to a Baylor education. So I kind of want to talk about them as a whole. Um, and so in a lot of universities, the core, the general education requirements is what they call it. It's the same thing as a core curriculum, but honestly, they're treated by students and by faculty as something that you just kind of get out of the way until you can get to your major. And I just don't think that's true at Baylor. Not only, we have a core that we take very seriously that our students take very seriously. And, um, and that is very distinctive. At a lot of universities, you'll see there are so many choices in terms of what students take as part of their core curriculum that there's really not that much that one student has in common with the next student. Their education was really quite different because what they took as part of their core requirements was so vastly different that they really don't have that kind of common sense of, or that common mark of an educated person educated at Baylor University. So uh, I'm very proud of the changes that we made in our core. It's very hard work to get people to come together uh, to, to make these kinds of changes, but we've recently updated our curriculum, our, our core curriculum we reduced the size of the curriculum uh, in terms of the number of credit hours. Yet, as you can see, we remain to be on the top of the country in terms of the quality of that core curriculum, even with the new changes that, again, brought down the size of the curriculum without, of the, of the core curriculum without re reducing its impact. A great description for sure and lofty company for sure. Dr. Brickhouse, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for sharing and we appreciate it very much. You bet. Thank you very much. Dr. Nancy Brickhouse, Baylor University Provost, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.